0: Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen.
1: And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo.
0: Hey, Nicole. It's great to see you. How are you?
1: I am doing very well today, Chris. How are you?
0: Doing good. Doing good. Spring. Spring's here, right? Cross is getting green, but today, a little bit different direction. I, I, I found this a very interesting topic, because I'm sure it's something you have to deal with quite a bit uh, with your consulting, but energy sources for competition horses, I mean, is this something that something that you get a lot of questions
1: about? I get this question in a roundabout way. So more in the sense, we, we've talked about energy quite a bit in like a basic function, which is maintaining body condition, helping a horse do its job. We haven't talked as much about optimizing energy sources in a direct way. So oftentimes, someone will come with a question that is, my horse is really hot. What can we feed it? Or, you know, I, I have a horse who's doing upper level dressage and it runs out of energy. What can we do to help my horse, you know, maintain its performance? They're fundamentally asking a question about energy, but a lot of times they don't realize that's the question that we are going to talk about in that discussion.
0: Yeah, it, it, no I can see that. I definitely can see that. And so when I when I was wrapping my head around this, I I think one of the things I wanted to talk about was like okay, you know, the the differences in competition and I I will I will find your answer fascinating if we can talk about uh, the energy requirements or you know, how do you like you said that dressage horse? How do we ensure that dressage horse has enough energy? So, I guess just to lay the lay the battlefield out in front of us the differences in, in disciplines or the types of competition, is that going to influence the either the types of energy you would use or how much energy?
1: Ah, uh, great question. So it ultimately is going to influence both the amount of energy their horse requires and the composition of that energy. You know, the NRC defines the horse's energy requirements based on different levels of work and if you looked at the nrc it it would give you a definition for each of those levels of work so the nrc definitions are light moderate heavy very heavy and they they line out if a horse is doing this many minutes of walk and this many minutes of trot and this much skill work they would fall in moderate for example and then you would plug in your horse's weight their level of work and it would spit out an energy requirement let's call it sixteen thousand calories Mm. To be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm never using that when I'm developing a diet. Uh, ultimately, when we think about energy needs, we're thinking about, is the horse maintaining its body condition is it able to do its job? We could plug in those variables. And for some horses, they might be right on the NRC. There's other research that's shown that the value is plus or minus over 25% of the NRC. So I, I don't find that to be particularly helpful. Because I think it's challenging to use their definitions of light, moderate, heavy, and also use the actual calorie number that comes out in a really meaningful way on a day-to-day basis. It's useful for research purposes, but not for functional use. So instead, I'm thinking about the amount of energy. Are we feeding the horse enough to maintain its body condition? Can it do its job? And then I'm thinking about the composition of that energy related to the job that the horse does. So when we think about the types of jobs that a horse do, all comes down to how they're exercising. So a very low intensity job, say walking on a flat surface for 30 minutes, a horse would be staying aerobic the entire time, meaning they can consume enough oxygen that they're able to produce energy in an aerobic state. On the very opposite end of the spectrum is the horse who is sprinting. That horse is working anaerobically. They could not consume enough oxygen in order to produce energy. Their body shifted to an anaerobic state, and they're producing energy under that anaerobic state. And the types of fuel the horse uses aerobically and anaerobically are different. And on top of that, most of our horses fall somewhere in the middle. They spend a lot of their training in an aerobic state, and then they might have short bursts where they're working anaerobically. So ultimately, I think we could have a discussion where I said that uh, from an energy standpoint, horses who do a walk trot job have a low energy and horses who are racehorses have high energy requirements, but I don't think that helps really optimize energy use. So, you know, today, I think what we'll dive into a little bit more is what are the energy sources? How are they used? And maybe give a couple examples of how we might optimize energy in different situations to enhance or optimize performance
0: no i de- yeah I'm, I'm definitely following you okay okay so, so you already laid out our outline what and how so my question to you is what energy sources are available to the horse and uh, what we feed them with their forage and, and their concentrate
1: so the horse's primary source of energy is generally hay or grass if we're out on pasture that's going to be predominantly fiber and it's going to bring some sugars in as well so if you look at the horse's energy in buckets the biggest one are going to be carbohydrates now most of the time that's coming from mostly fiber you do have some horses like the racehorse we're feeding a lot of really high nsc feeds in great quantity Theirs would be coming more from non structural carbohydrates, your sugar and starch. So, if we think about our energy sources, we have carbohydrates, our structural carbohydrates in the form of fiber, a lot of energy for many horses. Non structural carbohydrates, those are your sugars and starches. Fat is another source of energy in the diet. It's not a traditional source of energy. So, if you look at the natural quote-unquote diet of the horse, it's 2 to 3% fat. We didn't even know for a long time the horse could really use a lot of energy in their diet. They don't have a gallbladder. But we've learned over time that fat is a fantastic energy source for the horse. And we'll talk about how that fits with the physiological changes that happen with conditioning that makes fat a really cool part of the horse's diet. You know, the other potential component for energy is protein. However, the body's not set up to really use much protein for energy unless it's in a starvation mode. So we can overfeed protein in the horse's diet, absolutely. But it's not normally a large contributor to energy in the horse's diet.
0: Yeah, I remember we did a podcast just recently on that a few podcasts ago on protein. And and people are worried that, oh, it's too much energy. And you're like, no, 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 protein, that doesn't contribute very much. It's, these, it's the NSE and, and all these other ones. So those are the what's now let's talk about the how. So how is the horse using these different sources of energy to to compete or to propel, like, you know, tying it all back to the different types of disciplines and stuff. So I see where we're going, but I guess, I guess right now r- real quick, we just talk about the how, how these, these energy sources are used.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when a horse is working aerobically, it has the flexibility to use fat or carbohydrates, specifically glucose, to fuel its work. So it breaks down either the fats or the glucose into what ultimately generates ATP, which is our energy currency. So so when we're talking about energy to support work, we're talking about generating ATP. So the horse is metabolically flexible when it's working aerobically. When it's working anaerobically, it can only use carbohydrates, specifically glucose, to fuel work. Now that glucose can come from two different places. First, you have blood glucose. There's a finite amount of that that is available to support work. And the reason for that is the horse maintains, just like us, their blood glucose within a pretty narrow range. So once you get down you don't want to drop below that minimum amount of glucose in the blood. So they're going to switch to taking glucose from their muscle stores of glycogen. So glycogen is carbohydrate storage in the muscle. They break down the glycogen to produce glucose. Like I said, a lot of horses work somewhere in the middle. Very rarely is a horse working only aerobically They're definitely not only working anaerobically. So anaerobic would be that sprint. Aerobic is your more low-intensity work. So maybe we think about a horse who is jumping. You're doing your flat work. You're doing your warm-up. They're staying aerobic, but maybe you're doing some really intense grids and the horse's heart rate goes up. They work anaerobically for a short period of time. Same thing with the barrel racer. They do their warm-up, working aerobically, versus when they go in and run, they'd be working anaerobically. So you have that metabolic flexibility, depending on the type of work they're doing, it's going to dictate the substrate that is used. So when it comes to optimizing fuel, if we have finite amount of glucose available, and we know that horses are going to work anaerobically for some period of time, we probably want to save that glucose for the time that they can only use glucose. So we want to really think about how can we shift and save that glucose when they're working aerobically and essentially train the muscle to use fat instead. So that's where we can do some optimization of the type of fuel to do different jobs. Um, And this is where, you know, we started to feed more fat in the horse's diet. That really goes along incredibly well with the physiological adaptations to increased fitness. So horses have Really, really high capacity to work aerobically compared to their size. So that's VO2 max. And as a horse becomes more fit, their ability to work in an anaerobic state goes up. So we'd be looking to use fat as the fuel during that portion of their work. Conserve that glucose for when they're working anaerobically.
0: Okay, so. so- that's, oh, this is really fascinating. And I and I hope the listeners are being able to follow this. And again, there's the article that accompanies this podcast. I'm following you very much. The the aerobic versus the anaerobic. Aerobic fats, carbohydrates, right? Can use those. Uh, anaerobic only glucose, or which comes from carbohydrates, right?
1: Spot on. Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I just want to make sure the listeners are following with us. Okay. Now. You were saying training the horse or, or, or conditioning the body to burn fats in that aerobic warm-up or aerobic exercise. How do we do that? Is it just feeding more fats? Does it depend on the type of fats?
1: So it's really a combination of feeding more fat in the diet in combination with that fitness work. So if, if you were to just have a horse sit in its stall for two weeks and feed it more fat, it wouldn't use any more fat during exercise because the muscle requires training to do so and part of what's happening in that training is you add fat to the diet you continue to work the horse and you have this upregulation of the enzymes that use fat for energy so it really has to be that combination but i will give you the real life example of how this works because i think you know this this did get pretty sciencey. but the question i brought up earlier my dressage horse who runs out of energy while it's working. So this is a pretty common question. They say, easy keeper. So if that horse was skinny and it ran out of energy, the answer is really obvious, right? Feed it more feed. Once you have a good body condition, then it'll have more energy to put towards work. They say, ah, oh, it's a really easy keeper. I can't feed it more. And it runs out of energy. So that horse is working aerobically for a long period of time. And what we would do in that case is we'd add a little bit of fat to the diet along with that extra fitness regimen to essentially train that muscle to use fat and to make it more fit. So that doesn't mean spending more time on collection and skill work, passage, off, whatever you're working. It means working more time on fitness and fitness for that horse is probably going for really long walks. Maybe some trot sets, but probably not a lot, unlike the fitness you do with an inventor or a racehorse, which would be short periods of time, high speed. But what we're looking to do there is give the muscle a little bit more fuel to work with without enhancing body condition at the same time because the horse is an easy keeper. The type of fat, you know, ultimately when you look at your high fat feed, a lot of times they have that built in. We do have some concerns about omega-3s and omega-6s. I will say, as long as we're not dumping like oils that are super high in omega-6s on top, think like your traditional corn oil, generally you're going to keep the balance of the diet there okay.
0: Now, okay, how long would it take for that horse to adjust to get those enzymes working uh, You know, once you adjust the diet?
1: Yeah, you're looking at at least two weeks. So generally what I recommend when people make these changes is to not to expect to see much of a change until after two weeks.
0: Okay. Okay. So there's our dressage horse working aerobically. Now let's go to the barrel racer. Let's switch disciplines, types of horses, quarter horses. We're going to do a little bit of aerobic work, but then that anaerobic competition. How do we ensure they have enough energy for that?
1: Ah, So the answer here is actually really similar. So they're only doing a small proportion of their work anaerobically. So what we would look to do is conserve the glucose for when they're working anaerobically. So a moderate to high fat diet is still totally appropriate for these horses doing that, what I call flexible job, where they're flexing in between aerobic and anaerobic work. Because essentially all you're doing, you have a finite amount of glucose available. So I could feed as much sugar starchy sweet things in the world i'm not going to increase their glycogen level there's a finite amount of storage there but if i can feed a little bit higher fat diet so they reserve that glucose for when they're working aerobically i can enhance or optimize performance that way
0: okay now i'm going to throw one at you the extreme, what do we say? The very heavy work. These are, you know, I mean, thoroughbreds, definitely. I, you know, after working on the racetrack, you're right. It, it seemed like we fed them way more grain than hay. But I'm thinking of these, these endurance riders. Like, how do these horses do it? How do they, how do they keep up that energy during those long, long rides?
1: Ah, okay. Good question. They're actually staying aerobic a lot of the time as well, even though they're going for a really long period of time. Because think about it, your capacity for anaerobic work is very, very short. So in those horses, they have this high, high focus on building that horse's fitness. So over time, they're building that horse's ability to work aerobically through increasing the distance, increasing the time they're ready, and so on and so forth. So again, We're still in those cool levels of energy, Mm -hmm. fat.
0: All right, Nicole, something that just crossed my mind. Right now, we talk a lot about these low NSC diets. Are are those appropriate for these types of horses or how low can you go?
1: Okay, that's a very good question. So we have a large focus on low NSC diets because we've discovered all of these different medical conditions that are created or exacerbated by high NSC diets. Many of these horses in that flexible level, they can definitely go on a lower NSC diet. You do sometimes run into issues in an otherwise healthy horse who's doing a relatively hard job. If you try to make NSC crazy, crazy low, I don't want it above 10% in their total diet. Depending on the job that you're doing, you may limit that anaerobic performance because you don't replenish their glycogen stores. Now, where this has been specifically studied is in the thoroughbred racehorse. So there's only been a little bit of research. The question was asked, in that horse who's working very intensely and they're working anaerobically, what is the influence on NSC in the diet on glycogen repletion? And remember, you have to refill the cup before you can empty it again. So if you don't refill their glycogen levels, they go out and work again, they're going to experience fatigue because once the glycogen runs out, There's no more energy to be had because they are working anaerobically. Glucose is all they got. Blood glucose has already been utilized. Once glycogen stores are empty, that's it. Nothing else. So, you know, in the study that's looked at this, their low, medium, and high are are not what we would traditionally call low, Mm -hmm. medium, and high. Just remember that. So their low was 12%, medium was 46%, and their high level of NSC was 65%. And what they did was they worked these horses. First, they measured glycogen levels, worked the horses, and then came back three days later and looked at was there an impact on these different diets on the percentage of the glycogen that had refilled after those three days. And what they found on the medium and high, there was no difference. Glycogen replenishment was 94%. On the low diet, it was only 63%. So absolutely, that suggests... In those really intensely working horses, that if you feed too little NSC in their diet, they won't be able to replenish their glycogen stores as quickly. Now, it's unfortunate that the medium was 46%. That's a lot. Um, Brian, just remember (laughs) thoroughbreds, it's it's a different world. Um, So the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? We don't know the break point, but we do know in these horses that you can get NSC too low. Remember, they're doing a very difficult job. They need that type of energy to do the job. That being said, I even feed the racehorses something that doesn't look like the traditional diet, which is a low fat, very high NFC. I'd say most of your commercial race seats today are in the 40 to 60% range. We'll drop them down into the 30s and add more fat in the diet and actually see some improvements in performance, decreases in tie ups, things like that. But that's a different situation for many of the jobs horses are doing. So is it possible to make your NSC too low? Absolutely. Is it largely a concern? I would say no. The way you would obviously see that in your horse is that when you go to work anaerobically, they run out of gas. So, so we've added the fat to their diet so that we're reserving as much of that glycogen as possible for when they're working anaerobically. You've done the fitness work and the horse still runs out of speed, well, we might take a look at the diet. And if it's ultra low, we might say, yeah, I think we need to bump that up a little bit. But largely, there's no reason for any horse to be on the super high NSC diet anymore. Um, So this, this use of moderate to lower NSC, higher fat goes really well with the physiological adaptations to fitness. And we know it's better for horse health for a variety of other reasons as well.
0: Yeah, when I worked on the racetrack, it was back in the day, and and we were—that's when we were feeding corn still, like you know, cracked corn and all that. So it's 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 really fascinating where we've gone the last couple decades in equine nutrition. And I, I know we're running out of time, Nicole. Final question: percentage of fat in in on in the feed people should be looking at uh, with some of these competition horses, and just any final tips?
1: Yeah, so we do have to balance this with energy intake. So I do want to say, like, you don't necessarily want to put every horse on a super high fat diet if it's going to make them obese. So this is where things, you know, a personalized equine feeding plan, we can help optimize this. Generally speaking, when we're talking about high fat diets, you're looking at commercial feeds that are at least 8% fat, and I would really call 10% and above type of feed that is definitely high fat and fits really well into it. So are there absolutely, you know, depending on intake, depending on horse's body condition, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we're gonna not look at those traditional feeds that are higher in a C, only three to four percent fat. Um, generally eight percent and above are kind of the options that I'm looking at when I'm looking to optimize performance. And then exactly where we fall in that range is dependent on the individual horse and those other circumstances.
0: Oh, good. It's fascinating. It was a fascinating topic. And And I can see us doing some future stuff with this because, yeah, it's just such an exciting area of research and and nutrition with this fat and competition horses. And and like Dr. Rambo said, if you are looking for a personalized feeding plan, check the links in the show notes. The Tribute team is always standing by. Yeah, free consultation. So if you're having any issues with your horse, please reach out to them. Check out the website, tributeequinutrition.com. It's beautiful. The the blogs are on there. The podcast is on there. All the products are on there. And you know, thank you so much. And and if you don't mind, if you have not done it yet, if you don't mind going to iTunes and giving us a five star review, a little bit of a write up, thank you so much. That helps us with circulation. It keeps growing the podcast. It's growing. We're reaching all around the world now. So hello to our listeners overseas. But yeah, thank you for caring about your horses so much to listen to this. And thank you, Nicole.
1: Thanks so much, Chris.